Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I am Dr. Baruch Levy, also known as B, and I am here today in my virtual studio uh, across the country in St. Louis with my good friend and now becoming partner in podcasting, Scott Schaffman. Hey, Baruch. How are you? It's good I'm to good. see you, as yeah, always. Thanks, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. So I'm sure everybody uh, remembers who Scott is, but... Um, Scott and I have been friends for over 30 years, which you can't say too often in life these days, right? I mean, everything's no. so transient. So I don't take that lightly. Um, we go back to freshman year of college when we met each other moving in to uh, the dorm. And we have been friends ever since, although, you know, we kind of um, went our separate ways and got different types of life experience for about uh, 20 years there, good couple decades. And we were reunited um, a few years ago unfortunately, over the passing of our mutual and beloved friend, Mark, who um, brought us together in the at the end of his life and now in spirit. And so um, I really always start out our conversations tributing our friend Mark to his resilient spirit, reuniting us to do some good in the world. I, I think it's uh, fascinating. I and mean, I think it's so important to be able to, you know, look at something like that, where it's just such an unfortunate you know, experience that, you know, with, with the, with him coming down with cancer and everything. And for us to be able to kind of take that experience into um, incorporating it into our lives and, and um, acknowledging that and, and recognizing that he is definitely still here with us. He's absolutely brought us back together and you've been a, a true inspiration in my life over the last few years and um and a lot of it's owed to uh to ermin you know i absolutely feel that way so um that's you know the nature of this podcast um is and the name of now my entire company which is the defiant spirit and it you know, originally it was coined by a man named Victor Frankl, who I quote every every time Scott and I talk, every time I talk, he's my mentor um, and really an inspiration for me. He survived the Holocaust and went on to live the defiant spirit, um, taught others how to live that defiant spirit. And when I think of our friend Mark, I do. I think of a defiant spirit. Um, and, and in many ways, that's what we're doing in our conversations. Scott and I have been in formal conversation, you know, coaching and um guiding one another, frankly. It's been mutual guidance over the past couple of years to really learn how to summon that, that peace within us that cannot, will not be deterred and bring it out in practical ways. How do you live it? And Scott, you and I talk a lot about um, that famous quote by Teddy Roosevelt called the arena. And when life presents to us an arena, a battle, a struggle, a challenge, as Mark faced at the end of his life, as we face after the death of our friend, as 
everybody listening has faced time and time again, right? How do we find that defiant power of spirit? How do we bring it out? How do we live it? And I would say if, if I was going to boil down the last three, two or three years of our conversations, every single conversation revolves around this. Is that, a, is that an overstatement? Not, no, I think absolutely. I think it's something that I've struggled with my entire life. But whenever I was in the arena, I was never in the arena. I was always on the sidelines or in the, in the stands looking at the arena and not wanting to face what it's what it's like to to really just grapple with the the the, the stuff that you know that's hard that it's it's not easy but i think the more you're in the arena the more you're facing the challenges um the more you're put to the test <laughs> i don't want to say the, that the more i want to be part of the arena but it's i'm more prepared and i and i recognize it a lot more when i'm being challenged so, um, you know, there's just, let me, let me read that. You know, I didn't, we didn't plan on this direction, but I'll read it. And then it'll be a great, op, probably a segue if we want to go in that direction of talking about authenticity at work, which is, you know, what we originally set out to, but we just sort of followed the defiant spirit wherever it takes us. But here's that quote, just for anybody who, who hasn't heard it or, um, you know, wants to hear it again. So it's by Teddy Roosevelt, or at least it's attributed to him. And it says, the credit belongs to the man, the person who is actually in the arena, which is what Scott and I are talking about, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, comes up short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcomings. But who does actually strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends him or herself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. It's just so good. And, and it's, it's kind of one of those quotes where you, you have to read it over and over and over again. And, and it means more to me today than it did when I read it in the past or when Brene Brown opened with one of her with her book, Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. But it's so there's and it's not about getting in the arena and physically fighting somebody till you're, you know, you can't get up anymore. I mean, it is more of an emotional um, battle um, and maybe it's the unconscious and the conscious trying to, um, you know, battle with each other, but it's, it's being able to really be in a place where you can, can be able to, to respond and not react. And you're in a place where you can just, you're going to have to sit with it and really process in order for you to be able to just come from a place of authenticity you know we can incorporate both pieces you know that that authenticity piece is just so um it speaks to me because i think i lived a lot of my life where i was reacting and i wasn't responding and um so i'm, I'm just trying to just be more consistent with that and that's that's a big struggle so the arena just given it's given us language to frame um, our conversations around, you know, like you said, it's not about a physical arena, 
And as you grow older, it becomes, I think, less and less about the physical and more and more about the inner, emotional, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, um, living living that battle. And usually, you know, my experience, at least my own personal journey, it's as, it's about me battling me, right? Mm. Rarely is it really me battling my, you know, the business or the external environment. It's it's B, it's Baruch, battling me, my, that the shadow, the struggle, those pieces that want to put me into the closet. You know, we're talking about authenticity, kind of like a, here's who I am, but there's always a piece of me that's trying to shove me back into that small place in my life that's not the arena. And that it tells me, like, don't go into the arena. It's too big. It's too scary. You're not worthy. And so this inner battle, right, is the arena. It is 100%. It is a battle within yourself. Yeah. And when you, you know, I lived 48 years of my life of being in this like unconscious place and not being present and not listening and not being, you know, truthful to really who I am. And and now getting a taste for it over the last few years just makes me want it more. And you want it and and you just, and, and my biggest thing is, is, and what I try so hard is just showing up every time I go home, showing up for my wife and my kids. Every time I leave the house, showing up for for what happens to me throughout the day, the people that I encounter, the people that I talk to. It's just being able to to be to be there, to be present, and to listen, to see the other person. Something that's so so important. It's one of the reasons, of the many reasons, why um, I like bringing you onto the Defiant Spirit more and more now as a regular contributor and partner in this, um, because you know my work has grab has shifted from kind of a purely individual therapeutic counseling practice to more of an executive coaching, working with people in business settings. I'm, I'm very passionate about that because. I see so many people in general, men in particular, who compartmentalize their lives. And they may do this work off to the side or, you know, at places in their life, but they don't necessarily bring it to their work. Hmm. And where I'm, I'm more and more attracted to are the people, the business owners, the CEOs, the, you know, professionals, whatever, who basically say what you said in a previous podcast of ours. I want to have an open floor plan hmm. in my home. And I want to have an open floor plan in my life. Take down those walls that really separate me artificially from the people around me and just be all in, be wholehearted, be out. This is who I am. This is why I'm here. And so I think that that's really been a major shift for you over these past couple of years, as you described. 100%. And I think um, one of my, I, I would say one of my superpowers is, is being vulnerable but I didn't realize that until recently. And now that I realize it, it's, it's, it's becoming more part of my life. When I say being vulnerable, really just trying to um, being more vulnerable for who the, the person that I am, right. And acknowledging that, yes, I am, I'm emotional, you know, I'm sensitive, I care, I'm empathetic and, and being more vulnerable. And, and that means that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I may be hurt. I may be upset over certain things, but I think for so long, I I just, I I fought that. I I fought that battle within myself and it's just, um, 
And now it's like being vulnerable and showing up every day and, and not knowing, you know, what's not knowing what's going to happen, but just going, being all in on, on who you are. And it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a more honest life. And, and that's something that I, I don't think I, I had demons and I've had, and I lived lies and, and I tried protecting those lies. And I'm sure a lot of people felt that way too. And, and I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to have to protect my, my, the things that I did that were, that were wrong. So, you know, you, sh our work began more on a personal nature, like almost everybody I work with, at least up to a period of time where it was about, you know, your personal life, your, your relationship with your wife and your girls and your family and your friends and your community. And it's shifted, then it shifted into business, into profession. And, mm -hmm. and I watched this natural progression because I call it expanding the circles I've shared with you many times. You can't just expand in one direction and maintain a circle. Like if it's going to be a circle, you move in this direction, it's going to move in the opposite direction. And so I, I think a lot of guys in particular start in their personal life. And then if they're really all in, as you say, if they want to be wholehearted, you can't stop there. You can't then be a great husband and a great father, and a great son and all these things that you're striving and then be a schmuck at work. Right. Right. Yeah. That's not integrity. Correct. You know, I mean, that's you're right. It's that's two different personalities. And, and uh, you know, I think it's so important to bring your whole self to your to your career as well, because, you know, I mean, it's these are the people that I, this is like my extended family. And like I get, I've become closer to my coworkers ever since I've kind of started revealing, you know, becoming more vulnerable too, because it's, um, it's, it's, uh, hmm, it, that vulnerability just leads to um, deeper conversations, deeper connections. It's not just about, you know, work. Um, it's, it's about, you know, developing a, a stronger relationship with, with the people that you're with. And I think that's, that's important. So, um, I don't think I've ever shared this with you. It's pretty heavy, but it's relevant. My dad, as you know, took his life, um, coming up on 16 or 17 years ago. And there's many reasons for that. Uh, I wouldn't ever reduce it down to one, but I think a primary one for him was his professional identity because he was a very successful business person, sold his business, and then you could just kind of see his life go downhill and started to throw away everything. Um, but before he took his life, he was trying to reinvent himself, you know, at 60, which is not easy professionally. And his last industry was the mortgage industry. Um, wow. I yeah. I know that. Yeah, he, um, he ended up moving to Detroit, leaving my family behind and um, was in the mortgage industry. and. One of my final conversations with him was how he felt. This is like, I got the chills. I've totally, I don't wow. know, I've never I'm talked about this. How have you not brought this up? I don't know. <laughs> For anybody who's listening, Scott's in the mortgage industry. Um, and, um, and, and this is relevant on many levels, any, whatever industry you're in. But he felt, especially in that industry, he felt a compartmentalization Right. It, he couldn't be Shelly. This was who he had become. And he, was, he became a very spiritual kind of a seeker. But then he would go to work and he would have to turn that piece off. Hmm. And I just could see it taking its toll on him. And though, you know, I've most people don't take their lives. I work with a lot of people who struggle. 
and comes down to a lot of times compartmentalizing our lives where I'll put away my happiness and my joy and my authenticity for eight hours when I go to work or 10 hours when I go to work. And then I'll come home. Well, it's not so easy to flip a switch, right? And we're burnt out and we turn to all kinds of things to kind of numb the pain. And then you just start going down this spiral. So I think it's so important, the work you're doing of saying, I'm doing this work of wholeheartedness at home mm-hmm. and at work. It's not either or. Um, well, I have to ask, like, so I'm just wondering, like, with with your dad. Um, so he had all this success, you know, he had his own company. And, and do you think he just didn't feel... Um, as though he was being fulfilled anymore in his life. And when he went to the mortgage business, maybe he wasn't having as much success as he, as he had previously. It's a great question. Um, you know, I obviously have thought a lot about it. And um, I think my dad's biggest mistake, and I see this a lot with people in general, men in particular, midlife, is he believed it would be easier to change his circumstances than himself. So, he probably could have and should have stayed where he was, stood his ground, you know, in his business, in his profession, and found himself there. But instead, he left that, he threw it all away, and he went out somewhere, right, into the world, into something new to really reinvent himself. And I think what happened was, you know, when when he did that with his marriage and with his profession and with his, his you know, the place he lived, he ended up in a city he had never spent any time in. I'm just trying to cobble together a life. It was too much too fast. This is why I tell people, you know, that I'm guiding, you don't have to get divorced. You don't have to change your profession. It doesn't mean you have to stay in those things. But if you leave them, leave them for the right reasons. So you're not not running away from, you're moving towards something. And I think my dad was running away. So, you know, I wouldn't blame it on the mortgage industry, although I know it's a particularly challenging industry to bring some of this authenticity to, and I want to talk about it. Uh, maybe maybe more challenging than some, maybe not as challenging as other professions. So I think that there was that. I think there was very little room for self-expression. He was kind of climbing the, the food chain. So he, you know, he wasn't the boss there. He couldn't talk about Eckhart Tolle and whoever else he was reading at the time. Um so there was some of that, but I think a lot of it just came down to he was running away. Hmm. Okay. So I, mean, I just I feel like it just has to be so hard to just have all these unanswered questions in your head, just knowing that, you know, he took his life. It would, you know, it's just, that's got to be really, really tough. Well, first of all, trying to figure it out, like, because I'm trying, I know that you've been spending the last 16, 17 years trying to figure out what it was. So um, it's yes, obviously, period. Yes. And I I made the shift a long time ago. And this is what I've seen in helping other people make the shift around grief in particular, but it can be any kind of tragedy. And there's all kinds of tragedies. I mean, you know, some people right now are cobbling together a life down in Florida after having just lost their homes and their everything, right? So um, doesn't not just grief, but especially when a loved one dies, you either end up as a victim, and this is what um, Edith Eager, a student of Dr. Frankel says, you end up as a victim saying, why me? And we all need to go through that period of, you know, feeling victimized, and we are, and there is a why me period. And then you get to a point where she says, and she was a Holocaust survivor, she says, you make the 
journey from victim to survivor. And that's the journey from why me to now what? And, okay. and that's when I got to now what, is I took back my power. And I started working with people. I started working with the men in, in particular around my dad's age, you know, younger, somewhere between 40 and 65 is usually where I end up with people, um, to help them not go down that path. And so as hard as it's been, it's also been incredibly meaningful because I can feel my father kind of behind me championing, mm -hmm. championing this cause um, as almost as if we're redeeming his, his destruction, his darkness. And so like our, look at our work together. You know, yes, it's tragic. Our friend Mark is not physically here. And yes, we would trade it all in to have him back. But that's not the choice. Either he dies and it's meaningless or he dies and it's meaningful. And I believe our brother Mark is with us going, yes. We're making it meaningful. Yeah. Make it meaningful. Make it meaningful. Well, I mean, that's, that's, it's nice to hear. It's, I didn't know that. So, so, so why, I guess coming back a little bit, what would you say is uniquely challenging if there is anything about your particular business? Will you tell us just a little bit about what you do? Sure. I'm, I'm in the mortgage business. I've been in the mortgage business for 20 years. So I'm a, I'm a loan officer. So basically my job is to originate loans and, you know, really just work with either my referral partners, whether they're real estate agents or, you know, um, financial advisors, a lot of my past clients. So I, and then, you know, all my business is referral generated. And basically the, the challenge, you know, I'm not going to really go into the current environment as much as just the, the biggest challenge is just trying to, um, especially with me now, just trying to present options that I feel are um, create one clear as much clarity as I possibly can, because I want to be able to make sure that um, my clients are completely educated on all of their options. And so I try to create I bring my my values, my commitment, my integrity, and um, my gratitude. Okay, I'm bringing that to my business, and the the commitment and the integrity really come into play when I am, you know, trying to you know, one develop the relationships with the clients, but also just trying to make sure that you know they're being put in the, in the right product, the right loan, the right terms right down payment that it meets their budget. So it doesn't, they're not overextending themselves. They're going to live comfortably, you know, just trying to make sure that, you know, that's one thing. And then obviously, you know, having this clarity, the integrity piece, you know, in the mortgage business, really, <laughs> it's not there, unfortunately, because there's just so many deceptions in our industry. You go online and you can see, interest rates that are being offered in the in the fours and they're like way that's just not true unless you're really buying you know spending a lot of money to you know pay to buy the rate down and there's just a lot of deception there's just a lot of um things that unfortunately our industry doesn't get the best rap so what i'm trying to do is just to turn it around like trying to create that clarity and and really just provide as many um, answers as I possibly can so I, my clients can understand. 
So, you know, one thing I just heard, I heard many really important things that you just shared. One thing, though, I heard is there's a connection between authenticity or integrity or, or you know, whatever you want to call it, and complexity or simplicity. Because sometimes when things become complicated, right, you start losing authenticity. And if you look at the professions that have a bad rap, oftentimes they're ones that the layperson like me, your average Joe, doesn't understand. Mm. You know, same with like how it used to be with buying cars. Now it's all changed because we, we could talk about that. It's a much more transparent process. It's how it is, I think, with the legal profession, right? You really get lost or taxes mm -hmm. and, and mortgages. And so I, mean, I look at all these papers in front of me before I sign. And mm -hmm. so I just end up saying, take my power, Scott. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, so I have to trust the person across from me. So I think that there's a direct connection between authenticity and complexity or simplicity. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So because um, you said one of your goals is to make it, um, to simplify it or to make it cl simple. clarity. Clarity is clarity. And then on top of that, like having it be like, I need to, in order for me to really enjoy my job, like I, I need to get to know my clients. I need to have a deeper connection, a deep needs to be more of a purpose and there needs to be more meaning behind it. So I'm tr trying to connect with my clients and my real estate agents a little deeper these days as well. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes can be a little challenging as well. So I guess, you know, this isn't really a podcast on mortgage, the mortgage industry, but I think it's, you know, it's interesting. A, everybody who's listening probably has or will have a mortgage at some point. And B, it's representative of lots of different professions. But um, I guess another challenge with your industry, or at least where you are positioned in the industry, is it's oftentimes a one-and-done relationship. It's and that's not the doctor. You're right. It's, it's a struggle, you know, because... And that's the biggest struggle I'm having right now, I think, is is knowing that, um, you know, I just had a closing earlier today and I've been working with this guy for a few months and, you know, he's a firefighter. Like, I really got to know a little bit of his story and and the challenges that he has. And I enjoy that. But now that the loan is closed, like, listen, I could still continue that relationship, but, you know, you know, forward. But you know, for us to continue to talk as much as we have, it, there's no, there's no, it's not as purposeful, you know, there's no, nothing at the, for him to obtain to continue that really, unless we became friends, which I'm all for. Well, I would, or I would just challenge you a little bit, knowing you, knowing some of your clients, you know, you really, and you're not incentivized to continue the relationship really. I mean, but you do, you follow up, you, you know, this is where my work as an Enneagram coach comes in. I'm just going to mm -hmm. you know, share real quickly. Your type is type two. Scott, for anybody listening, is an Enneagram type two, the helper. And it's all about relationship. So, it's, you know, for you not to bring that to your work is it's not even possible. But you, yeah, yeah. But you really go above and beyond to, to make those connections. I, I try. And, and I've, I've noticed that I'm having like more deeper con connections with some of the people at work too, because, you know, that's, I'm with them every day. I'm seeing them every day. So I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, so, but we, you know, you talk about the thread. Why don't you talk about the thread for a second? Because I think that that's really important. Like you're going, 
I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to let you, you can explain it a lot better. Um, so I think what you're referencing is the soul thread or true yeah. thread, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And, and this is something Scott and I have talked about. I think I've even done a podcast on it where what I look for when I'm counseling, guiding, coaching, talking to somebody to add value to their life. Cause I don't really come up with these great insights or anything new no, so much as I kind of mirror back to a person, their, their journey, their story, because it's like watching your child grow. <laughs> you can't see it. You need others outside of you who are more removed to show us the growth, you know, Oh, look how big they are. So the soul thread is this thread that's when somebody tells me about their childhood and they tell me about being a teenager, and in Scott's case, I got I knew him at the end of tail end of his teenage years, watched him, you know, through 20s, 30s, 40s, now into the 50s. And I see this constant, this truth. It hasn't changed. You know, Scott's my physical appearance definitely, mine certainly has. You still look good. My uh, physical mm-hmm. appearance changes, you know, the circumstances change, but there's a piece of us that was true, that is true, that will be true. And I think when we're lost, when we're out of balance, when we're out of our integrity, really it's just about getting back to that thread of that truth that was just no different at five than 55. Is that the thread we're talking about? Just to be clear. Yes. And then, and then in addition, like how that just continues like throughout life, because, and that thread is, is, you know, you can look at it as just living this life of authenticity and the more, the more, um, the more real and truthful and honest of, of a life that you're living, you know, the, the threat is going to create, um, more, more abundance, more just goodness in, in the world and, and in your own, in your own life, forget about it. You know, the world just, just you know, having that, those moments of joy, those moments of happiness, those moments of just where you can just laugh and it's a real truthful, honest laugh because it was really funny. But see, that's what you're getting to. Now I'm starting to hear why my dad lost his way because I think he was more focused on the circumstances than Mm -hmm. on his soul thread. And it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. It doesn't matter if right now if you're listening and you are not a professional, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're whatever. We all have a soul thread and our circumstances are always changing, right? And, and if we change with our circumstances, then we're, we're, we're losing ourselves. We're, we're determining who we are by what's happening outside of us. But what mm-hmm. you're talking about, Scott, is, but if I follow this thread, I don't know where I'll be in a year from now. I don't know what my what my life will look like. I was going to say, I don't know what my wife will look like. I, okay, I, I, I know what she'll look like. Um, but if I follow the values of commitment, integrity, gratitude, those are your three soul thread values, right? Yeah, that's it. Yes. Hold on to those. That's the lifeline. And just honor that. And, you know, that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just honoring that and, and just showing up every day and being all in. And, and really, I think something that I've, I've gotten to be, um, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at is just being, just being there, being present and listening and, and, and seeing people for who they are. Well, seeing their soul thread. And having a better, deeper connection with them as well. 
Yeah. And so when you, when you bond over that, which is, you know, we'll wrap it up with this, but this is why we're still on this call 30 years later, because we bonded on the soul thread, those fibers, you know, your, your world looked very different 30 years ago. Mine looked very different, but we had those threads in common and we go our separate ways and we come back together and we just kind of picked up where we left off on those core values and those don't change. And if you anchor yourself in those, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're at a ball game, whether you're, you know, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. I'm all in, not compartmentalized. Authenticity. Love it. Love awesome. It. Thank you, brother, as always, Good for stuff. bringing your authenticity to our conversations. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Me too. I'll see you next time. All right. You got it. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your life.